How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk about this. I'm so glad you reached out. Yeah, I was hoping that I wasn't being like too annoying, but I was no, thinking about it because I get a-, a lot of clients that come in and they're like, how does like I'm having a baby or like my dog's not getting along with my baby? Like, what do I do? And I like just see so many of the same questions like frequently. Yeah. So I was like, this could be something good to talk about. Absolutely. I think it's, it's such a good, and I have never, I've never gone down this road yet. And so mm-hmm. it was a, it was really a great idea. I'm so glad that you thought of it. Um, how's your baby? So good. Max is putting her down for a nap right now. She's so cute. How old is she now? Thank you. Uh, she's, she just turned three months this month. Oh my God. How are you? It goes by. To- it goes by so fast, dude. Um, I'm adjusting pretty well. It's definitely like a little bit rough at first, but I definitely feel like all the cliches that they say about parenting is like spot on. Like yeah. I love her so bad. <laughs> so bad. It's so funny. And then it just gets like worse as they get older. I feel like. Yeah. But I love it. It's like, I, I'm like, it's such a catch 22. Cause I'm like excited to be able to do stuff with her. But then it's like, I also want her to stay little forever (laughs) oh my god I can relate to that so hard it's it you watch them do these things like roll over right and then start walking and now Jagger's like talking back to me like (laughs) and doing like saying things and understanding things and throwing things in the garbage I'm like wow literally how are you this smart I don't know but I um, love that anyway I'm so glad that you're adjusting to new parenthood so well because it's so oh, yeah so amazing um but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first of all all right so um I have been training dogs for about four years now I've been apprenticing under uh, Jessica Edgerly up in uh stores at Central Canine uh stores Connecticut in uh at Central Canine she specializes in like sporting dog stuff so whether that's dock diving competition obedience rally um agility barn hunt all of those kind of like more fun things uh but also like we do like basic pet stuff as well I've been handling more of like the pet stuff as opposed to like the hardcore um like sporting things so that has been really fun and I mean just regular 27 year old stuff I just had a baby in December (laughs) um recently got engaged so kind of like checking all the boxes of the stuff that you're supposed to have done at this time I guess how did you get involved like what made you get involved in all the the dog training and that whole realm So I actually went, like, I started off bringing my first dog to Jess because she, so I did not do my research before getting a dog. I said, oh my God, I want one that looks cool, (laughs) which is the worst thing that you can do. Um, So I actually drove all the way to Michigan to get my dog and yeah. Oh my God. I did not ask the questions that you should be asking on, um, which we can talk about that too. Like what questions to be asking when you're looking for a dog. I just said, I want something that I could take on a hike. <laughs> and I got a basket case. Really? Like, yes. I love her very much, but she 
was super and like don't get me wrong she's not perfect now by any means um but she's super anxious so I was having like a lot of issues with her so I couldn't put her in a crate she would break her teeth trying to get out of the crate um living in an apartment was tough because she'd be screaming in the crate the whole time uh she'd destroy things so I started bringing her I was like I gotta fix this like this is bad (laughs) um so I started bringing her to Jess and so like that really like sparked my interest in dog training I've always been interested in uh animal stuff to begin with since I was little but so I started bringing her to Jess and then me and Jessica just really hit it off she offered me an apprenticeship and it's just been all uphill from there (laughs) wow that is so cool and you know I think nowadays um people are always looking when you're getting into a career or looking for a career you're looking for something like is this going to be a long-term situation, right? But there is never going to be people out there that don't want pets, that don't want animals. Exactly. And they're always, you never know what you're going to get. Just like babies. You don't know if you're going to get a colicky baby. You don't know if you're going to get, <laughs> you know, somebody exactly. that has like explosive diarrhea from the day they come out until they're, you just <laughs> yes. never know. And so it's the same thing with an animal or a pet. Um, and that's just, gonna live on forever so what a cool if you have such an interest in it I think it's just so cool that you got into it and you're specializing in it now really I mean you could say you've been doing it for four years you've been working with this really great trainer as well so that's so awesome what has been the hardest part of of kind of getting into this world so the hardest part is that it's just um how do I put it so you have to be really good at like reading not like like you have to be good at reading like a situation, like you, everything is so situational with dog training. What works for one dog is not going to work for every single dog that walks in the door. So like the way that you approach one thing can't be the other. Um, like the, like if one dog is like upset about X, Y, Z, and they're acting this way, you need to be able to tell like, Oh, they're acting like that because they're afraid versus they're acting like that because they're confident, like they're confidently being mean (laughs) so there is because the differences are like really slight but like you really do have to be able to like read the situation in front of you and figure out how to accommodate like fixing the situation you also have taken into consideration like the people's lifestyle like what is going to be a realistic kind of plan of attack for them and all of those types of things so like there's so many moving parts that like is a very hands-on type of business in order to like better yourself in it like you have to like have a lot of like in-person hours if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense it's so funny we're both moms um I have a lot of moms that listen to this podcast and as you're talking about it I just can relate to that Mm -hmm. or like a baby like an infant a a toddler a, a whole thing it's it's the same thing and um I don't have any pets at all um I grew up with a lot of dogs Um, My dad did the dog training thing and dog breeding my whole life. always surrounded by puppies and everything. And Mm -hmm. um, for me, I just don't have any, but I always tell my friends that have dogs. I'm like, there are so many similarities. Like you are no different than me because I have a baby and you Mm -hmm. have a puppy or a dog. Like I really think they're so similar. So what's what's so funny is that um, I get a lot of clients that are like teachers or early childhood behavioralists. And they'll be like, we do this with our kids. And I'm like, this is really promising for when like Violet turns into like a toddler. Like, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on on like what to be doing but it's like behavior across the board is generally the same thing it's just 
like figuring out how to better communicate with your animal. Cause obviously you can't fix behavior as easily in something that doesn't speak English. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think you're going to have such a leg up on people like <laughs> me, for instance, like I, you have all those skills that already, and the similarities between dogs and babies, like the communication is obviously lacking. Like you were saying, you know, communication is limited with kit babies, toddlers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and dogs to just kind of interpretation, body language, and then like yep. past experiences. Right. So it's, 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 it is, it's really, really cool. And it's, it's really cool to see the similarities. And so the listeners know a little bit of how we know each other. We went, mm-hmm. to, well, did we go to middle school together? Yeah. I think cause you're you older than me. Yeah. The, and then, uh, so we were in middle school together. We played soccer together. Yep. And uh, then I had to go to a different high school for high school. I went to EO for high school. I think that you stayed at Parish Hill, right? Yep. So that's how we know each other. Um, So it's really so cool to connect with you again. And I always like to give uh, the listeners more of like a background of how I connect with people. Sometimes it's just through social media, but me and you actually have a background together, which is so cool. So I'm like, I'm so excited to get into this with you. Um, But Yeah. So kind of just to like start off, what are, what are some of the the misconceptions that you've run into um, regarding dogs and babies? So I think that the biggest one is, is that a lot of people just expect that their dog is going to know how to be around a child or that, oh, my dog is like protective of like the protection thing is definitely the biggest misconception, but I think that the over, like across the board, the biggest, like everybody just expects animals to know (laughs) for whatever reason, like we have like these really high expectations of, oh, my dog's going to be fine. Like they're going to know because they were raised around a baby, but realistically at the end of the day, like the dogs are still animals. And like, we need to really be clear with what our expectation is of them in these situations. So that way we can avoid bad things happening. Yeah. I, it is, it is really scary sometimes when I I've heard that too, like, Oh, well my dog laid on my pregnant belly. So they, they know that there's a baby in there. They know that a baby's coming. What are some things that you can do maybe to, to get your dog ready when you are pregnant? Yeah. So that's actually like a great thing. So some things that I did personally, um, because I was like, I have three dogs. Um, they're all very high energy and take the time that you're pregnant to like, if you already have a dog at home, start training them. I taught, um, getting like a place stay really solid place just means like they go to like their bed or if you have like a kennel, they can go in that and they stay there until you tell them to come off. Um, that is really helpful when for multiple things, but when you need space, like, Hey, go to your place. And then your dog kind of gets out of your way and you're also giving them a job to do. So it's kind of killing two birds with uh, one stone. So that way they don't have to be like, Oh my God, what do I do in this situation? You're telling them what to do. And you're also giving yourself space so that way you're not like tripping over them or whatever the case may be. Um, I taught one of my dogs to pick things up when I dropped them. 
So God, that's so cool. So, hey, I need that bib. I need that blanket. Yep. That's literally so I'll be like if I'm nursing her and I like drop like the burp cloth, I'll be like, get me that. And he'll oh, get me that. God, that's amazing. Um, desensitizing them to babies crying. So we played like a lot of baby crying videos, which is the worst to listen to. <laughs> um, but we played a lot of that. So that way it wasn't just like all of a sudden um, getting them used to walking next to a stroller. Where Even do if you find like, this baby crying video? <laughs> YouTube. They have so, oh they have God. like baby crying for like 10 hours. It's Wait, really, I hope I'm it's like, on like a five second repeat or something. Cause that's horrid that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta, I don't know. I don't know the logistics on how they acquire the sound. I just know (laughs) that they have YouTube videos that are like baby crying for 10 hours. It's gotta just be like, maybe somebody like imitating it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So back to this. So (laughs) the baby crying, that's actually, that's really genius. Mm -hmm. So getting them used to baby crying, getting them used to you walking around, like holding, um, like some people will do like a stuffed animal wrapped in a swaddle, just like holding something because a lot of times holding stuff for dogs is like, Oh, what is that? Like, it's like exciting. And if your dog's not used to you, like walking around holding stuff, it's going to be more exciting. Right. Like if I saw somebody like dressed crazy I'm gonna be like oh my god look at them dressed crazy versus if I constantly see people dressed crazy if I see somebody who's also dressed crazy I'm like "Mm, just another day yeah so the the more that we can get rid of the novelty of things for our dogs the it's just another day for them so like I don't want me walking around holding something now to be super interesting because I've been holding something and nothing ever happens when I'm holding it so it's boring. That's such a good tip. I would have never thought of that ever. It's, it's definitely like the things that we don't necessarily think of. That's why like, I definitely recommend like, if you do have a dog and are expecting, or you're have, you have a dog at home and like, you're having issues, find like a good trainer near you. You might have to find, like, you might have to go through a couple of people to find someone that really works for you in your situation. But like, go to someone so they can physically see your dog in person to be able to help you because the average person is not going to think about these things to do. And the internet is, there's so much different information out there. So it's like really important to like get ahead of the game as best as we can. What do you think it like, what's better or worse? Or is there not such thing? Like, should you have a baby first and then introduce a dog or should you have dogs and then have a baby? Like, I know you can't usually de- decide one of those, but is there a better scenario? Uh, sorry, dog hair in my mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you live and breathe this stuff, baby. <laughs> I literally do. Um, I would say in a perfect world where we are in control of things, I would say having a dog first and being able to put time into that dog and get solid training on it and then introduce a baby would definitely make their lives easier. Uh, Like the parent, it'd make the parent's life easier because now instead of having to learn how to become a parent, right? Because there's like, that's a huge learning curve. 
um, and dealing with a baby, whether it's a toddler running around or just like a newborn baby being a handful. And then also on top of that, essentially having another baby that is probably has more free reign than your tiny baby um, is definitely a lot harder, right? So if you can get a dog, get training on it first and then introduce the child to it, that'd be great, but that's not realistic. Um, there are lots of people who like little kids, like, I don't know if Jagger has started asking you for like, mommy, I want a kitten. Oh my God. <laughs> or, she's been saying dog dog since she was about eight months old. <laughs> she that's says, mommy, she says. I need one. <laughs> she loves dogs. This girl lives and breathes cats. Like she just loves animals. I'm screwed. That's but so that's what I'm saying is that, um, but even at this point, like Jagger is a little bit older. So what I would say is if you do want to add a pet to your family after you have a child, just, it's so much better to just wait until they're a little bit bigger and can understand boundaries. So that way we can say, Hey, like when the doggy's on his bed, we leave him alone. That's his spot. And, uh, Oh, when the doggy's eating, we give him his space because realistically kids are just as unpredictable as dogs are right they're like little tiny drunk people running around yep. constantly <laughs> yep. so the more that we can um obviously effectively communicate with our children what boundaries are the less instances that we're gonna have of oh my god my dog snapped at my kid because they put their hand in the food bowl or he, my kid was crawling on top of him and i was ignoring that i thought it was cute so it's things like that. Like when you do have like a bit of an older child, you're in a much better scenario in order to like implement those boundaries. And you're also probably in a better place to be able to put some time into training your dog. That's so true. And I think it goes off, like going off the point of it, it being in a perfect world, having the dog first, because yes, even if you have a newborn and you kind of wait through that stage you're going into the toddler stage and then you're going into like the preschool I would call like mm -hmm. toddler stage like they're still babies at four or five years yeah. old and then I don't know so I totally agree I think like in a perfect world obviously I'm past that point so whenever I do get an animal <laughs> like I'm I'm screwed no um but I'm gonna have to deal with it in a different way but yeah I think good advice if people are struggling like do we do a baby first do we do a dog first which one do we want to have a dog come into our family when we already have the baby and then they have no mm -hmm. other expectations like some people may think that but I think how you said that makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense um, and could possibly help somebody making that decision. Another thing um, that I wanted to say, I, I don't know if this is dramatic of me or what, but <laughs> I think like, I'm just going to wait till Jagger can take care of the thing on her own because why do I need to deal? <laughs> wait, so I'm going to, I'm going to pause you right there. Right. So I get a lot of that too. Yeah. So what happens though, is that realistically, until she like think about like yourself right on like your ability to take care of stuff realistically she's probably not going to be capable of efficiently taking care of something until she's like 18 and I know come on <laughs> so it's one of those things where I think that pets are a really great learning opportunity for children to gain like responsibility of stuff but with that being said like as the adults, it's still our responsibility to make sure that like, okay, um, my kid is doing a bad job at this. So I'm going to need to pick up the slack. Right. Yeah. Yep. Because 
what happens is a lot of the times we have people and uh like we'll even have a kid we have like group obedience classes and we'll have like parents come with their children and there are these two little girls in this one class and they're the first two little girls that have been in these classes that have actually been doing their homework with their dogs and their dogs are doing so good but and they're like I think that they're like eight but that's not every kid right so with that being said it's kind of like you do have to babysit and like make sure that things are getting done but it is like it is such a good opportunity for kids to like learn that responsibility but a dog is just so much like I tell everyone imagine this is a two-year-old child like at all times yeah all the time yeah I totally agree and I think maybe I'll just wait till she can at least pick up the poop maybe that's a better there you go I I think that that yeah (laughs) yes like wait until she can like clean the yard up for you I feel like that is completely reasonable and then you can go go feed the dog you can handle that um so funny no I agree I think I think that is like I I hear that all the time too well I'm just gonna wait till my kid but again that makes perfect sense I mean you really you can't leave a 10 year old or even a 12 year old with all this responsibility, you wouldn't leave them with a two year old. Exactly. And that's exactly how I put it is like, I would not like, especially like puppies are like the worst on people will like, let them like run around their house, like just doing kind of whatever. I'm like, would you let a newborn baby, like just be out on its own? And like, you'd like go by check on it every once in a while. It's one of those things where like, you have to really treat it like something that you need to pay more attention to because especially with puppies, the more that we can get ahead of the bad behaviors, the less things that we're going to have to fix later on when it's going to be 800 times harder. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to ask you to this because I feel like we live and I'm going to, I have another episode that I'm going to kind of talk a little bit more about this because it's a little separate, but I feel like in this day and age, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like a lot of us moms um, out there, and this just might be a little general, but are really trying to do, have this narrative of like, I'm a chill mom. I'm a cool mom. I'm not a helicopter mom. I'm, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm good with picking up the binky on the floor and giving it to the baby, like whatever they'll let, like, there is so much of that out there. And which is great. I think like a healthy balance of being chill and being whatever safe is great. Um, so I think this next topic that I want to ask you about some people could start out right away and be like, oh no, I let, I, I let this happen. It's no big deal. But what from somebody like you who really has, you know, delved deep into all these different dogs and all these different scenarios, and you've done your research and you have the background on this, like, what are some of the safety concerns that we should as parents or as people around dogs and babies or kids, what are some of the safety concerns that we should be aware of? Um, you know, babies and dogs being around each other, maybe things to avoid. Yeah. So, um, definitely like germ wise, I would definitely say like avoiding as best. I mean, kids are going to be kids, Mm -hmm. but like of trying your best to keep your kid out of like your dog's water bowl is a good one just because like, uh, you don't know what kind of bacteria the dogs are like putting in there as they're drinking. Obviously if they're like there's chew toys around, which I do not recommend. If you have like a little kid running around the house, do not leave toys and bones and stuff out because all it takes is your dog deciding one time, actually, I want that for there to be an issue, right? So 
I tell everybody that even without kids, like the more value like your relationship with your dog is going to be more valuable to your dog. If everything fun in the world comes from you. Right. So like if I always leave toys and stuff out in order for my dog to like preoccupy themselves, it's not as fun when I want to play with them with that toy. So being able to say, Hey, we got toys now, buddy, like, let's go play with them. That's way more exciting than just letting them like kind of entertain themselves. Right. Cause like leaving toys out for your dog is almost like when you have to like preoccupy your kid for a while and you're like, here, watch this. Mm-hmm. Like here's, here's an iPad, which there's nothing wrong with giving your child some screen time, <laughs> yeah. but just like how we don't want to do too, too much of that. We don't want to do too, too much of just like letting our dogs preoccupy themselves as well. So like everything in moderation, but when you have like a multiple dog household or multiple kids like running around, keep the toys away. You're going to be in a much better scenario if you don't have stuff out for them to be getting into. So that is good. Um, Obviously keeping food and babies separate so I would not be like uh letting like the kids feed the dogs until like they're really at an age where they can completely understand like okay we make the doggy sit and then we have them wait and then we put the food down and then we tell them to go get it and then I leave them alone until they're done eating so that is like really the big one that one in the toys I would definitely say is the biggest one and just like really being able to like implement boundaries of having the dog have a safe space of, I can go to my bed. And when I'm on my bed, nobody bothers me. And just like not having kids crawl on the dog, all of those things that like you see videos online of like, oh my God, this is so cute. Like my dog loves my baby so much, but it's like you have this one instance of them being cute. And then the next time that your kid tries to do that, your dog's not in the mood for whatever reason, you're not reading their body language very well. And then we have an incident. So it's honestly better to just avoid it. Yeah, exactly. It's better to just avoid the situation versus taking the risk to have there be a situation. We don't need to. Like like I said, kids are just like little tiny drunk people. So that can get annoying to a dog. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, right? So like that can be super annoying. And it also is um, like, it's like kind of scary, right? Like kids be like, oh. And the dog's like, oh, what way are you going, man? So being able to limit interactions like that, I just say supervision is the best thing. Like if you're not paying attention to your kid and your dog, and that means like if I'm sitting there on my phone scrolling and my kid and my dog are in the living room, that's not me paying attention. Yeah. So if you can't pay attention, contain one of them. Unpopular opinion. (laughs) I know. I I love how you said that because it's like that saying of like, when you know better, you do better. And it's all these things. Okay. Now it just goes back to like pregnancy. Right. So when I was pregnant, we, I didn't eat lunch meat. I didn't eat, you know, um, what are all the things they tell you not to eat? Like all Sushi, those things, right? Sushi, whatever. Meat, meat and I, rare, whatever. Yeah. So my mom was like, Oh God, like I did all those things with all four of you kids. And you know, I didn't know. She's like, and yeah. so we had this whole discussion and I'm like, but, and she says all the time, she's like, but if I knew that, why would I have ever taken the risk? Like we wouldn't, you know, back then it just wasn't a thing. And so mm-hmm. you hear, I don't know, I guess it's like, you kind of pick and choose what you hear when you don't want to do <laughs> things, but 
Yeah. Uh, you know, there are instances in the world where this family had this dog and it was great and they loved it and they would have never, ever, ever thought something would happen in that one instance they did. And so like, like you were saying, why, why put any risk around your most precious, valuable mm-hmm. thing in the world, which is your child to me? Like, why would you, you know, take any of that risk? And then you have those people that would say, well, I wouldn't like, I do you think I'm going to hurt my child. Do you think I'm like wanting to take that risk so that there's all that whole thing, which, but the main thing with this, that people still forget. And I don't know if it's because as a society, this might be controversial. You might edit this out, <laughs> but I don't know if it's because as a, as a society, we have like moved her towards like, this is my fur baby uh, movement kind of, yeah. that we forget that at the end of the day, dogs are animals. And unless like you are consistently paying attention to your dog's body language, which some of the signals of them being uncomfortable are very subtle, like even as subtle as like you go to pet them and they're like, they move away a little bit. They don't want to be pet, but they're not going to necessarily protest if your hand keeps going all the way to pet them. So just because your dog is not snarling, growling, showing their teeth, like getting super upset about the situation doesn't mean it's not building up to eventually having a breaking point, just like with people. But the thing is, is that because we have been looking at dogs like, oh, this is my fur child, we forget that they're animals. And we also hold them to this ridiculously high standard of, well, he should know. Like, would I bring a raccoon into my house and be like, live here, dude? Like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, no, I'm not going to bring a raccoon into my house and expect it to know how to coexist with human beings. I think we just, yeah, I think it's so cool that coming from you, somebody who has three dogs, you've had them for so long. Like, I just can't stress that enough. And for you to say, I don't think it's, I mean, I guess it's controversial, but I controversial, but I totally agree with it. Like these aren't just because we're saying like, the whole movement of it's my fur baby and that's my baby and whatever. And I'm a dog mom and whatever. doesn't mean that you don't love your dog any less. Exactly. You still love them. You still care for them and play with them and give them one-on-one time and do all these things. Um, But I think safety wise for our kids, it's just a better, a better idea to keep it separate. So, okay. What are, what's your stance on the climbing? I think you kind of touched about it. Like the okay, climbing. No, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> um, I mean, little kids, like in general, like even, uh, Violet is starting to like grab now they explore things like super scientifically, right? It's like, oh, like, what does this feel like when I grab it? What happens if like with toddlers, like I'm sure that Jagger's like throwing stuff now, right? Cause what happens if I throw it? Does it bounce? Does it break? Uh, what's it taste like? What's it smell like? Like they're very all into everything and they're going to be like that with an animal until they can like fully understand. So unless you're sitting there holding your child being like, gentle hands or whatever we do and making sure that the dog is in a like okay with that and not trying to like be like oh my god get me away from here then that's a good way to start introducing it but I would not be letting your kids crawl on dogs I would not be let I just don't don't yeah. do it <laughs> I, hey I it, yeah it, I, it really yeah that bothers me too like I I couldn't 
and not because I don't like dogs. It's not because I mm-hmm. don't have a dog. So that's why it's nice to hear from somebody that does, because I can sit here all day and people are like, you don't even have a dog. You clearly hate them. Like, no, I don't hate dogs. <laughs> no. like, up with, I love dogs. I'm truthfully, I'm way too of an emotional person to ever have a dog. I feel like, because yeah, I'm going to outlive the thing. And that's just horrible. Yep, and I, it's, I think about it every day, man. <laughs> I oh look at hysteria God. and I say, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but you are not allowed to leave me. <laughs> I had, I think I legit have PTSD from my dog from my childhood. So I think I'm just honestly just scarred and never, like, mm-hmm. I just don't even want to put myself through it. So I think that's like the deep rooted issue I have with not having it. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And then obviously people, I see it every single day the dogs licking the baby's faces, the, the, you know, letting them lick the faces, which it, it, yeah, I don't know about that. It's so I would say like, with like the licking, it's not necessarily the end of the world, but I'm not going to let my dog get in the habit of consistently invading my child's space, right. With, like with all animals, like space is respect. And if you're constantly okay with getting all up in my baby's face what happens when one day my baby's like yeah I'm just not gonna I don't want to like really take the risk and don't get me wrong like there are sometimes that my dogs come up and like they'll give her like a kiss or um my oldest dog she is like I call her my exfoliator because she will just literally lick your face off of your face. Oh, um, my God. but so like when she goes over to Violet and you're like, we'll give her a kiss. I'm like, okay, that's enough. And then she'll go away. Right. But if you don't have that type of control on your dogs, they should not be like, don't set yourself up to be a statistic. If you are in a position to be able to say, you know what, I want to be able to like enforce this. Like, I'm going to make sure that my dog's on a leash when they're interacting with the baby. And when I say, okay, like that's enough, I'm going to be able to walk my dog away from my baby and maybe go put them on their place or put them someplace else. So that way that's what all done means or whatever the case may be. Like there are so many different ways to go about it, obviously, depending on your dog, but in a perfect world, I just wish that people who spoil their dogs would spoil them with training versus 85 outfits oh my god that is I feel like I want a t-shirt made with that because (laughs) it's so true because it doesn't mean that you love your dog any less and I I Mm. I want to stress that so badly and I really love also the point that you made of like in in so many words I feel it's it's with moderation like you're, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean your dogs can't ever like hug a dog or, you know, try to, or like receive a kiss or whatever, yeah, um, or be close to an animal because that is really nice. And we've all experienced that. And that is like a nice part of having a pet, but like you said, having the supervision and in moderation, and then also making sure that both parties, dog and baby, yeah. hopefully can understand that respect of, of boundaries and space. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That's like the biggest thing. And like, I can't stress enough how much like um, having like structure and training on your dog doesn't mean that you don't love them. Right. It doesn't mean that like, just because I'm not letting my dog up on the couch or I'm not letting my dog sleep in the bed with me, doesn't mean that I hate them. It means that I love them and I want to be really clear with like what I'm expecting of you. So I don't want, I want, I love you so much that I want to make you understanding what I'm asking of you 
easy. And I don't want to make things confusing because that is where it's so hard. And that's where like that really unrealistic um, expectation comes is that we just expect dogs to know, but like, um, imagine like you're a not native English person, right? You come and you're trying to learn English. Imagine how hard it is. Like we have R and R that they both sound the same, but they mean different things. There's there, there, and there through, through like all of these different words that sound the same. English has got to be very difficult to learn. And I just try to like really think about that when I'm trying to teach my dog what is expected of them. How can I make this easier for you? And that, like I said, that doesn't mean that I don't love you any less. It means I love you so much that I don't want something to happen. And I want you to be able to understand how to behave in these situations. So that way we don't have a situation. And that way I get to continue having you and not having any issues with you. And I can have my baby and then my my baby can get older and you can get older together. And then uh, eventually like one day, like you guys can play together, but I'm not going to force it too fast. Yeah. And I also want to stress too, um, cause I don't want people listening to get confused and we're, well, me, maybe I'm sitting here being like <laughs> dogs cannot be with ba-. like, I think it's such a lovely, amazing, special thing, but just to stress again, like it's just, it's, it's the moderation. It's the, it's the safety concern, it's the supervision. It's just, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't let my dog, my, I wouldn't let a raccoon hang out with my child. So I, without me like paying attention and be like, Hey, maybe we don't try to pull the raccoon's tail, buddy. And things like that. Like, I'm not going to expect any, like, I'm not going to expect an animal to act different just because they're domesticated. Yeah. And it's just like when you said about, uh, I love you so much that I want to set these expectations to you and have these standards and, and you just understand it. And it's very clear. Right. So when our baby has a fever, and they hate the taste of Tylenol, but unfortunately, well, you have to shove it down their throat. For me, exactly. every single night, I have to literally pin Jagger to the floor to brush her teeth. Every night she hates it. She screams. I've tried all the tricks, all the things, and she hates it. But for her well-being, I have to brush her teeth. Like it has to be done correctly, it has to be done right. And it's the same thing. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that like we look at children and dogs so differently, right? Like you look at at people all the time who come in with like puppies, like 12 week old puppies that are like, he doesn't even know how to sit. He keeps going potty in the house. I'm like, would you expect a newborn baby to know how to act like a 10 month old baby? Or would you expect like a kindergartner to be able to take the SATs? No, it's like, you have to start with like teaching them small things work up to a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and set them up to be successful along the way. So like, if something is too hard for your dog, go step back instead of being like, Oh my God, my dog is terrible with people. And I just had 85 people over my house and she had a panic attack. Like, I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just having more realistic expectations for our dogs, I think would be super helpful, but supervision is like our BFF in this situation. That's such a good way to put it. I love that. What are some, um, are there any like products that you recommend? Um, yes. 
So, um, baby gates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so baby gates are great. Uh, so that way you can like prevent your dog from going into certain rooms. If you don't have baby gates, you can always do boundary training, which is again, like find a local dog trainer near you who can help you with that. You can, um, do just like, like I said, boundary training, but baby gates are a super solid way. And then you don't have to worry about putting in the time and training that way. Um, an elevated cot style dog bed um, is a really great option for a place because it's elevated. So it provides a really clear boundary of, oh, when I get off of this, this is like, now I'm not on it. Um, so something like that to teach your dog place on is super duper. It's a lot easier for them to understand than just maybe like a dog bed or even like a blanket on the ground. Um, dog bed, baby gate, an X pen for either your baby or the dogs. So like an X pen is just like uh, one of those like uh, like little like collapsible pens or like a play pen for a baby. Okay. Right. So those things, either a play pen to put your child in or an X pen is like the dog equivalent of a play pen to put your dog in. And honestly, the most um, like underrated tool is just a leash, man. Just a leash on your dog, even if you're in the house, I'm going to be in a much better position to be able to say, Oh my God, get away from there. If I'm able to easily like grab my dog and it's going to be a lot easier with a leash on. So did, do you, so you just, so like letting them have the leash on and just like walk around, yeah, you can drag it around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause they're not going to realize that. Yeah. That's a great idea. Cause it would take a lot. There's much more to grab if the leash mm -hmm. is trailing and not just like okay I have to grab a specific spot on the collar if I yeah exactly exactly yeah that's such a good idea what what do you think is better um as far as like you have a baby and you want to get a dog do you rescue a dog do you buy a puppy do you what is that situation like so this is a very hot topic yeah. <laughs> in the dog community. Yes. Um, so realistically, this is the most boring. Um, I give the most boring uh, advice on this because it's like the most realistic advice and nobody likes to hear it. Um, so if, if you're going to adopt, that's fine. If you're going to shop, that's fine. But either way, do it ethically. So if I'm going to a breeder first, I would say sit down and make a list of what traits you're looking for in a dog, right? If I'm looking for something that I want, something that I'm going to need to exercise a lot is super duper smart. And uh, let's say I don't care about shedding, then maybe I'm going to look at like okay, maybe like I do want a German shepherd or I do want like a Husky or something like that. But then I'm going to look up those dog breeds and see what other health concerns they could have. And uh, like other experiences that other owners have with them. Like for example, Huskies are escape artists. Huskies are notoriously super stubborn and they just want to run for eternity, but they're so pretty. <laughs> um, and that is what like a lot of people get sucked in about those. But doing your research on what breed you want before you decide, okay, I'm going to get this puppy. Then when you go to a breeder, you want to be asking, are your dogs tested? You can go on OFA.org and they have a list of per breed of what testing should be done on them. So you can say, are the parents tested? What are their temperaments like? 
uh, can I, can I meet the parents? Like, do you have them on site? Those things are all super duper important because I want to make sure that I'm putting myself in as best case scenario to receive the exact dog that I want. Now, that's not to say that doing all of those things, doing your research, asking your questions, finding a good breeder aren't are 100% going to give me exactly what I'm looking for, but it's going to put me in a much better position to have a dog that does not have health issues, does not genetically have any type of aggression or anxiety issues like that, any like nerviness. It's going to put you in a much better position to set yourself up for success with what you're getting. So if you're going to get a puppy, find a breed that you want, find a breeder that is going to have no issue with giving you like the test results of uh, their health testing, be able to tell you about the temperament of the parents and also their contract. They should have a contract. Their contract should say that if anything happens and you can't keep the dog anymore, they will take it back. So these are all things that the average person, myself included, when I first got my dog, don't know. They don't know to ask that. And then they end up getting a dog that's like, like I said, hysteria has super duper bad anxiety. She's super duper reactive. You end up with a dog that is like genetically a little whacked out. And then you also end up with dogs who have health issues. And then if you're going to adopt, I would definitely say, go more for temperament than for just exactly what breed you want. You're going to have a lot harder time adopting a dog with the temperament and breed that you want, because that's just going to be like finding a unicorn. Let's, let's be honest here. And if you are adopting, I would definitely ask, like, have they been tested around um, men, women, children, elderly people? Have they been tested with other animals? Um, can I see them interact with a man and woman and uh, being able to, if you can foster first before oh. you adopt them, that's always really solid because then you can kind of have a test run of what they're like in your house, but also just take into consideration that an adopted animal does take like three or four weeks to really decompress and adjust. So at first you might be like, oh my God, this dog is perfect. And then a month goes by and you're like, oh my God, they're eating everything. So those things are like super important to like look for. But like I said, the average person doesn't know what questions they should be asking, but the more questions you ask, the better. One thing that stuck out to me that you said was um, testing an adopted animal around or dog around a woman and a man. I would have never, I mean, I wouldn't have thought of half the things you just said, which is so great. I'm so glad that um, you're here, but (laughs) yeah, the, that one stuck out to me. I'm like, that makes so much sense because maybe their trauma or if they have trauma, it came from a male figure and that, you know, you just never know. You just, you just don't know. And like, that's another thing to like, always remember is that when you're adopting, you do not know the genetic background. So we don't know what the parents are like. So you don't know if like, just like how like some people are born like psychopaths, like psychopath serial killers. Some people are just born like that, regardless of if they had the best childhood or not. Some dogs are just a little bit, they got to screw loose and that's okay because that is just how nature works. It's not going to be a perfect copy every single time. Every once in a while, there's going to be like a little bit of an issue and that's something to consider. And you also don't know their background. You don't know what's happened to them, what hasn't happened to them. Um, I mean, just, I got a from a breeder 
right? It probably wasn't the best scenario, right? But she hates men. She hates anyone who is tanner than me. And uh, she hates elderly people. So she's sexist, racist, and ageist. And nothing bad has happened to her from any of those things. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's literally just who she is. That's what I'm saying. It's It's genetic. So I know like She's not the type of dog that I'm going to be like, oh, I'm having a party. Let me leave my dog out. No, she's going to go in the crate and it's going to be fine. But it's just these things that we don't realize that we should be asking when we do adopt like an animal of, oh, the shelter said that they were fine with people, but my dog hates men or my dog hates women or my dog is really bad with uh, people of color or people who are older just because it's different, right? Just like a man is different. A woman is different. Uh, like people who have varying, uh, skin tones, like they all look different to a dog and people who are older, they look different. So you don't know how your dog is necessarily going to react in those scenarios, which is why it's good. The more like you can see your dog around stuff, the better. And don't get me wrong. It's not like every single dog is like a crazy wackadoodle, but I'd rather treat them all like they are a crazy wackadoodle to be safe. <laughs> That's such good advice. It's all comes back to do more than you need to so that you are safe and everything is fine and dandy and you don't have to be in a situation like you were saying. And then you don't have to rehome your dog either. Like if the shelter that you're adopting from um, that gives you a hard time about asking any questions, run. It's not, it's not a good place to be getting an animal from. If any place that actually cares about the animals is going to accommodate you on whatever questions you have, as long as they're reasonable, I'm not going to be like, well, I want to see a different man. And then I want to see a different woman. And blah, 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 blah. And I want you to do a backflip after this. But (laughs) if you're asking like reasonable questions, like, oh, have they interacted with the man? How were they? Um, Like, was a guy older? Was he younger? Whatever the case may be. And then just kind of go from there. Like I said, with adopting, if you can foster first, like foster to adopt, that is like a really good scenario. Um, Because if it doesn't work out, the rescue is still, will, will definitely take them back. But uh, most rescues, they should have in their contract too that uh, the dog needs to go back to them before going someplace else. Okay. Yeah, that's such good information. I didn't even know about this fostering situation. That's very appealing. I feel like that's something new (laughs) for so many people. I've learned a lot new in this podcast. (laughs) I knew nothing on this topic. I think we covered a lot of what, families can do if they're expecting they already have dogs you said a lot of great things as far as the training them next to walking walking them next to a stroller holding something that was playing the baby crying forever I'm like I don't know who this poor baby is but um, (laughs) you know that was so great and then also if you are getting a an animal when you do have kids what uh, cause we kind of brushed over that a little bit. Like what is a good age? Do you think, um, like what is the youngest? Cause some people would think like, I have a five-year-old, like I, I know they can't take care of the dog, but like, we want to get our five-year-old dog, you know, or something like that. So again, it's situational, right? Mm-hmm. Like my five-year-old might not look like your five-year-old. Uh, let's say that like my five-year-old throws a temper tantrum every single time that the wind blows the wrong way, but your five-year-old 
folds her clothes every day and puts them away. Like, yeah, that's two different scenarios. So again, it's like super individualized, but like, I would just say like, if you have a kid, wait until they can like understand a boundary. Like, yeah, they might not be able to take care of the dog, but we do want to be able to like be at least in a, again, perfect world in a perfect world, not the real world in a perfect world. If we could wait until we can say, Hey, when the dog's over there, we leave him alone. Like we don't really rough house with the doggy. Like we give them their space. If we want to go play with them, this is how we play with them. This is how we have them sit and wait for their food. Like when they're eating, we leave them alone, blah, 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 all of those things. And them have like, I wouldn't say like a super solid understanding, but at least being able to follow the basic rules. Yeah. Yeah. That is the age, which that age is going to vary from a lot of people because like I said, one five-year-old is not going to be the same as the next five-year-old. So I definitely don't want to like put a number out there and then have someone be like, I got one because I heard that a five-year-old was a good age and my five-year-old's ripping out my puppy's tail. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. I also want to know from you, um, some people out there might kind of be on the fence about dog training in general um aside from the the, the kid baby situation um mm-hmm. what are some benefits or some some driving forces to like why people should regardless of their dogs kind of if they're crazy or if they're not like what are some benefits yeah. to dog training so um the biggest benefit is obviously being able to put yourself in a better position to um like effectively communicate with your dog and to be able to build a better relationship, right? Like I want my dog to want to like go do stuff with me. I want my dog to want to, um, like when I say work, I mean, like, uh, if I am walking, I want to be able to have my dog be personally, I want to be able to have my dog be walking nice next to me sit when I ask him to sit. And if a squirrel goes by, I don't want him to like absolutely lose his mind. Right. I want him to, instead of losing his mind to the squirrel, I want him to look up and say, mom, did you see that squirrel? I'm going to say, oh my God. Yeah. I totally saw that squirrel. Let's keep going. Right. And I want him to want to do that. Not just because I have something for him. Right. I mean, maybe I give him something afterwards, but I want like to have like that good, like almost like a good friendship, right? Like a really good friendship. I don't need to constantly be giving my friends something to hang out with me, to have them want to hang out with me with like a good friendship. And the same thing with my dog is that I don't want to have to constantly be giving you something to have you want to hang out with me. I want to like be able to build a good relationship with my dog, which is why like going to a trainer, you're going to be able to be in a better situation to understand how to do that with your dog individually. Because again, every single dog is so different. Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to go to someone who's going to help give you the tools to build that better relationship individualized for you and your dog and it also is going to help give your dog like such a peace of mind when they know how to react in a situation like whether your dog is anxious or whether your dog is like super duper lazy being able to give their brain something to do that was the whole dogs were domesticated so that they could work for us right we said i need that thing to go chase me my sheep and get them back whatever but they were individualized, like they were domesticated for so many different reasons, but all of those reasons, except for like some toy dogs, like some toy dogs were just like meant to like be like lap pets. Yeah. <laughs> but um, first. for the most, for the most part, 
dogs were bred down in order to like do a job. And the more that we can give them a job, even if that job is to just, hey, uh, somebody's coming in the door, sit. And they just sit there while somebody comes in the door or their job is to just go lay down and hang out on their bed. It's giving them tools to like help navigate the world more easily is definitely the biggest driving force behind training because like, I don't know, man, I could go about this for hours. I love it. It's so, it, it makes perfect sense. I haven't ever heard it put like this before. It's just training is going to give your dog like the knowledge on how to navigate the world and and how to like look to you. Yeah. And it's the relationship that you're building. Why do I want to connect it to like you and your, like, like you and your friend going to like therapy together and all you're going to get out of it is like a really good, strong relationship, you know? Yes, exactly. Though, Or like your partner, you know, it's like, I don't know, couples counseling or something like maybe we should call it dog therapy and then maybe more people will do it. Yeah. Well, um, if you want to, do you want to tell us like where we can find you or like if there are people out there in your area that could possibly want to connect you? If you don't want to do it on air, that's totally fine too. Um, um, no, that's fine. Um, so you can find us at Central Canine in uh, Central and then the letter K, the number nine. Uh, we're Right now we're located in stores uh, just past Four Corners up near Yukon. Um, our website is centralcanine.com. Um, you can definitely reach out. We'd love to help you guys um, help build a better relationship with you and your doggy. Um, if you ever want to reach out to me personally, let's just coexist on uh, Instagram and everything actually. Um, that's it, I think. Amazing. Oh my God. Well, I had a blast talking to you about this. I seriously learned so much that I had actually no idea about. And I know for a fact that there's a lot of people out there that can benefit from everything that you said. Um, so I just want to thank you again so much for coming on the 21, the 20 something mom podcast, 21 something. Who is that? I don't know. (laughs) Um, anyway, the 20 something mom podcast, because we're so excited um, each week to kind of bring people on and, and give advice and, and some learning tips. And always we want people to listen that listen to the show to take something away from it. And you've definitely helped us do that for this episode. So thank you so much. Ray, I'm glad. Thank you for having me. I'm always trying to raise awareness for this. Tune in next week for another episode of the 20 something mom. Have a great week.